it's not 10 times as hard to purchase a 10 unit apartment as it is to buy 10 houses. You know, you want to buy 10 single family houses, you're going to have to put the same level of effort in 10 times, you know? So the, the amount of effort you put in for a 10 plex, it's harder than a single family, but it's not 10 times as hard, right. you know? And then going from 10 to a hundred, it's harder to get a hundred unit, but it's not 10 times as hard. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, uh, welcome to another great episode today. Uh, it really is going to be a great episode with Brian Briscoe here with us today. Brian, welcome and uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Lee. I appreciate this. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, just a real quick background, Brian, then I'll ask him to, to give us a little bit more information on, on his background and how he got started in real estate. But Brian is a co-founder of the multifamily investing firm Four Oaks Capital. He's also hosting, uh, hosting an exciting new um, podcast called The Diary of an Apartment Investor. Um, and he is an active duty Marine Lieutenant Colonel currently stationed at the Pentagon. So working out of uh, the DC area. So, um, Brian, thank you for your service. Um, first of all, and, um, Thanks. yeah, well, why don't you, um, if you don't mind, just give us a little bit more on your background, um, what you were doing before real estate, but then, you know, more importantly, like how did you get into real estate? What got you into it and how'd you get started? Yeah, so um, I, I think, uh, you know, since, since your, your company's threefold and you like to talk about faith and family, I'll, I'll weave a little bit of that into to my background. So right. um, I grew up uh, just north of Salt Lake City, um, member of the Church of Jesus Christ all my life. Um, as a 19-year-old, I, I spent two years in Chile on a mission for my church. And wow. you know, that, that, was, that was an eye-opening, you know, um, experience for me, you know, uh, kind of, kind of a little, what, what's the right word? Um, anyway, a lot of people refer to those years as the best two years of your life. And a lot of times with air quotes, you know, but, uh, I, I think I learned more in those two years than, than any other, you know, two year period in my life. Um, and I came back with a much bigger appreciation for what we have here in the United States. You know, I, I thought I grew up in a poor family you know, because, you know, money was tight growing up, you know, and, you know, it turns out that, uh, you know, we, we had everything we needed and more, but mm -hmm. it was just my perspective growing up, looking over at the Jones's house and what uh, the neighbor kids had. Um, but I, I got a little glimpse into what real poverty looked like, you know, what, what dirt floors and, you know, no income looked like, you know, so... I came back and I, I realized that, you know, U.S. poor isn't anywhere close to South America poor. And, you know, I, I, I really committed to do better and be better. You know, I was um, very much living under my potential prior to that. So, you know, committed to doing a lot better in my schooling just because I didn't want to waste opportunity that half the world didn't have. Um, and I also started considering, you know, going, at, going uh, into the Marine Corps, you know, and it took me a couple of years to really make that decision. Um, you know, I started just considering reserves in general, but, you know, 
we live in a great country. You know, we, we have our problems and that's, you know, apparent, but uh, you know, I, I've been to 30 something different countries in the world and I still think we live in the best ones. So anyway, just getting, getting that outside perspective of, of what the rest of the world was like, you know, the, the reserves started being more and more appealing to me. So um, I got into the reserves, you know, August 2000 is when I signed the paperwork. Um, I was in graduate school. I wanted to be a college professor and, you know, so got a, uh, a master's degree in math from university of Utah, um, went to the university of Minnesota, started a PhD program. And, you know, just about 19 years ago, almost to the day, you know, I, I changed my course, you know, September 11th came up and I was a reservist. World Trade Center went down, you know, President Bush gets on national television and says, we're going to war. And so I decided to go active duty. You know, it was, uh, it was really just, I wanted to keep, I wanted to control things. I didn't want to wait until, you know, who, you know, the power is the B said, Hey, your reserve unit is going, everybody get ready. Um, I decided to take things into my own hands, but have a little more control over, you know, my life and my family's life. You know, I, I had uh, um, a very young kid at the time, you know, a two-year-old girl and, you know, my wife was pregnant with our second at the time. And anyway, just, just to, you know, avoid, this may sound weird, but to avoid potential, you know, pain at the wrong time, you know, I decided just to go active duty and, control the narrative. So yeah. um, that's what happened when active duty um, and turns out I've been active duty ever since. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a nutshell, you know, that's, that's, I think the, the biggest decisions that uh, have led me to where I am right now uh, along the way, you know, somewhere along the way, I picked up the book, rich dad, poor dad, like a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, once I decided that I was going to stay in the Marine Corps a little longer I came up with the idea of every time that I'm transferred, uh, which, oh, by the way, is every two to three years, um, right. every time I'm transferred, I'll buy a new house, you know, I'll, I'll buy a house, I'll live in it, and I'll never sell, you know, and so that was that was my philosophy, kind of a buy and hold investor, you know, um, kind of a house hacking idea before house hacking was, was really a thing. You right. know? So the fir- first house I bought using a VA loan, almost zero in money down, you know, and um, lived in it for a while, moved out, bought another mother house with uh, an FHA loan, lived in it for a while and moved out. And that was my plan for, for real estate. That was my plan to accumulate um, assets, like, like Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, assets that are, that are paying you money. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward, you know, I, I, I had done that, you know, a couple of times and you know, then, then in a, in a four-year stretch, you know, five, four or five-year stretch, I had a, you know, three or four deployments um, and then an overseas assignment, you know, and basically completely derailed that plan. But um, eventually I got back to it and I decided, hey, I need to, I need to resurrect this idea. You know, I, I, real estate was still, you know, my, my chosen investment strategy. Um, I just needed to, to refocus on it. So started looking back into doing single family. And for some reason, it just didn't, didn't really, um, that there was, I had some hangups, you know, I, I, are you in DC made, at this time, Brian? Um, I was, no, this was, uh, right before coming here. Okay. Um, about a year before moving here and, and, oh, by the way, you know, we typically get two to three months notice before we get transferred, you know? So, yeah. um, I knew I was going to get transferred. So this, this would have been, spring of 2000 
17 timeframe. Okay. Um, you know, I, I knew I was going to get transferred in 2018 and, you know, I started, started you know, reading a whole lot of books about real estate in general. And what, what really occurred to me is, is single family works. It helps you build your wealth. You know, I had six figures of equity and a handful of houses, um, a piece, you know, so I, I had, I had already tested it out and it, it was working. Um, it just wasn't scaling very fast. The, the yeah. number of single family houses I needed to, to be able to do what I wanted to do um, was a, a really large number. You know, it was, it was 50 or 60 houses, um, you know, based on the buying criteria that I had. So long story short, I found a book on, on multifamily. I started listening to, you know, the Rod Cleefs, the Michael Blancs, the Joe Fairless podcasts, um, you know, eventually, you know, bought into, to one of the education programs, mentorship and, and, and got into multifamily that, that way. And, um, you know, right now we, we are about to close on our fifth apartment complex. Um, and that'll bring us, that'll bring us up to 250 units on the dot. Wow. And so, right. I wanted to hit on a couple of things because you made some really good points. So just for, cause for other people getting started, like you said, buying up some single family homes, um, as you, as you live in them, I is a great way to get started. Um, mm-hmm. if anybody asked me, especially somebody young, you know, you, you and your wife were, you know, young starting your family. Um, my gosh, if people haven't even started their family, I don't know why anybody would not house hack like yeah. the idea of, of buying. And, and you mentioned the, the, um, getting a VA loan. So really cool benefit that, that our country, you know, gives, um, you know, the military members of getting a home for very little, I mean, like right. I said, sometimes, sometimes no money down. So that's a great way to, to build up your rental portfolio because you're yeah. no money down. Um, so you yeah. can get a house, no money down. Like you say, you live in it, you're paying off the mortgage a little bit, you move out of it, someone else gets in, they're now paying off the mortgage and maybe mm-hmm. you're making a little bit of cash flow. Uh, then you mentioned the FHA loan, anybody can get that. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're going to live in the house, so you can't do it if you're buying, um, you know, a, yeah. a you're not going to live in, but you live in a, if you're going to live in the house, you can get that FHA loan. That's what Brian, three, maybe even 3% down, maybe five. We, at the time we, we had to put 3% down. I, I know they've changed that minimum down payment. And, and the VA loan, the only out-of-pocket expenses I had, it was 100% um, loan to value, but I had to pay the VA funding fee out-of-pocket, which amounted to about $3,000. So $3,000 bought me $210,000 worth of real estate. That was the appraised <laughs> price. Yeah. You know? And you know, the, the FHA loan, um, you know, we used in, in San Diego, so it was a little more expensive, but it was post-crash San Diego. So... Um, I think we put 15, you know, maybe somewhere between 15 and $20,000 total out of pocket, you know, that's, that's a 3% down payment on a 300 and something thousand dollar purchase. So, yeah. Um, you still own both of those houses? No, I, I, okay. once I decided to go multifamily, I reevaluated things, you know, and I, yeah. um, the cash flow was never very strong on both those houses. Appreciation was amazing, you know, right. so. Yeah. Um, you bought at the I, right time, especially in San yeah. Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. I bought one pre pre crash, one post crash, but, mm-hmm. okay. um, you know, fortunately by, you know, 2018 ish, when I, when I decided to sell, you know, the pre crash one had completely recovered and, and still had a lot of equity. So, um, when I decided to go into multifamily, I mean, I realized a couple of things, you know, earnest money deposit on, you know, a single family house is a couple thousand dollars earnest money deposit on an apartment building, you know, is measured in the tens of thousands, tens of not thousands, hundreds. Right. 
Yeah. You know, so, so that as a sponsor on the deal, a lot of times you're, you're responsible for putting that up because yeah, that's before you're really raising money and getting the deal going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if you can't do that yourself, you're going to have to find a partner that can, you know, and, and so, so I sold the properties, you know, for a couple of reasons. Um, You know, number one was to be able to have that earnest money deposit and not rely on somebody else. And number two, with, with the amount of cash flow I was getting back, um, you know, my, my return on equity was not very high, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, my return on investment was amazing because I turned 3000 into over a hundred you know, mm-hmm. and 15,000 into 150. So I, I had, you know, 10x, 10x on one and, you know, probably a 30x return on the other. Right. But if you looked at the equity that I had trapped in those, you know, I was cash flowing at a couple hundred dollars a month on both of them together, you know, yeah. and that's, that's not a lot of return on the equity. And I knew that I could, I could do better with the equity if I invested it in multifamily, you know, and, oh, by the way, you know, a lot of your passive investors want you to have some skin in the game too. So, you know, on, on the first couple of investments, you know, um, you're able to you put know, some into it. Yeah, sure. I, I have, I have a lot of personal money into our investments as well. That's great. That's great. So, yeah, I mean, back, back to the idea that anybody can do that. So anybody can get an FHA loan if you're going to live in yep. the house, you know, to Brian's example, you may buy in an area that doesn't cash flow very well. Let's, I mean, you're cash flowing a little bit, but even if you aren't, somebody else is paying off a mortgage for you. Mm-hmm. And for the most part in real estate, prices will come down. I think we could be coming up to an area, maybe prices go down again. Prices do recover, things do recover. So as long as you're able to hold long-term, you are almost always gonna recover that. And, and again, even if, even if your, your prices aren't going up, somebody's paying off that mortgage for you. So eventually that $200,000 house, you only owe 100 on it. And let's say prices have come down a little bit. Okay. You know, prices haven't come down, you know, 150 or something. You still have 50 grand in equity. So it's almost like if you can hold on, especially if you buy well, um, you're going to be made whole. You're going to make some good money. So um, your plan, absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there's not much you can do about being deployed. Not everybody's deployed overseas to, to mess up their plan. But even if you, you know, if you hadn't been and you just stuck on that plan, you know, you were very much on, on, a, on a great path to just, yeah. you know, picking up a single family home every couple of years. And I just think that's something, um, almost anybody can do. Uh, and yeah, and I, I start building up some equity at the very least and probably cash flow because you're buying in some some appreciation areas where the play mm-hmm. usually is to, to you know, gain from appreciation where some yeah. other areas where you don't get appreciation, you often get better cash flow. So you're probably going to yeah. get one of those almost wherever you buy. And I'll, I'll say that, uh, you know, cash flow is important because there's only so many, you know, and I, I, I go back to one lesson I had on the San Diego house is the first five years I did not cash flow. And um, that was also part of the reason that, you know, we, we, we stalled because not cash flowing on that was a, a big strain. I'm, I'm talking $500 a month out of pocket for the first couple of years, wow. you know, and you and bought so, that one, Brian, that's the one you bought. You said 2000, 2008, that was post crash. Oh, that, that was post crash. Okay. Yeah. And I was, I was so excited. I'm like, real estate's on sale. Let's go buy something. You know, yeah. um, we were currently renting a house in San Diego when we moved there. Fortunately, we didn't buy when we moved there in 2006. Um, but 2008 came by and, you know, crash went and we're just like, well, we're renting right now. Let's go buy something. And, you know, I, I was excited just because, you know, prices were low. I never really did the, let's see if we're going to cash flow um, <laughs> <underwriting>? analysis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my underwriting was a lot of hope and dreams. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the long run, it worked out. But, 
you know, what, what that negative cash flow did to us is it kept us from next property for many years because, you know, we could, we couldn't qualify for another owner occupied loan, you know, single income. Um, So, I mean, the cash flow is important. You know, I, I would say, you know, if, if I was negative cash flowing 50 to a hundred dollars, you know, I could, I could easily sweep that under the rug because somebody else is paying off my mortgage. You know, there's depreciation that accounts for that. And, you know, when I filed my income taxes, that money's coming back to me. Um, but with the amount that we weren't cash flowing, um, that was, it was a strain for a couple of years. It really was. Sure. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, when we sold that house, you know, we, we had a, a check for 140000 you know, when, when, when all the dust settled. So, you know, long-term the appreciation worked out, but you know, there, there were a couple of, you know, short-term, you know, stressors that we had because of it. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, I still think that the point definitely still stands that, you yeah. know, real estate, there's so many different ways to make money. And if you can just hold it, hold it out, like you guys yeah. did, even though you're going to be made whole eventually, but I, I certainly people yeah. should, you know, that, that's part of the, part of the, you know, point of my podcast, the point of your podcast is to educate people because you want to know, you want to know yeah. how to underwrite before you try to buy an investment property. Uh, because yeah, there are houses out there that will cash flow, and those are the ones you want to buy because yeah. hey, you don't know, you, you never want to count on appreciation. Um, yeah. it, it's probably going to happen over the long term, but if you can cash flow and that, that was, um, something you kind of mentioned there, Brian, that you eventually, when you decided you wanted to get back and get serious about, um, real estate investing, you did get a mentor. You, you jumped yeah. in, paid, paid for some mentorship, paid for some good education, probably because, you know, probably looking back to your San Diego deal and realizing like investing without education, you know, I mean, you, you, you were made whole and you made a great profit. So like you said, yeah. you, you, you did you well, know, but it, it was bad for a while and, and it slowed you down. So you didn't want to have that happen again. Yeah. And that, that experience was, was part of the reason I did mentorship. You know, I, yeah. I knew real estate was the right vehicle for me and I was fascinated by it. You know, it's something that, that I enjoy doing. Um, but I didn't want to make those same mistakes, you know, and right. Early on in the process, you know, when I, when I started looking for, for multifamily, um, I remember, you know, San, San Diego, I ruled that out immediately, you know, when I was still living in San Diego. Um, you know, my, my parents were in, in Utah, my wife's parents were in Idaho. And so I started looking at stuff in Utah and Idaho. And I remember touring like a six unit property in Idaho and walking out of that, scratching my head thinking, how do I know that this is even a good deal? How do I know it's even priced right, you know? And the answer was, I didn't, you know, there, there was a, a, a price tag on it. And I'm just like, no. you know, and that was, that was kind of the moment for me, you know, started touring properties and, and scratching my head thinking, you know, the bank said they'll give me, you know, 75% loan to value. So, you know, I had enough money to pay the down payment, but I just didn't know, you know, I just didn't know. I'm like, is this going to be a good thing or not? Um, yeah. And that's when I decided to, to hold off for a little longer and educate myself um, before jumping into something that was going to be another, you know, huge cash drag instead of cash flow. Right, right, right. So that, yeah, that's great. I, I highly recommend that for everybody. I mean, on anything, but certainly real estate, you can really get burned. I mean, there's a lot of people I think jumping in right now and I hope, you know, I hope they're getting some good education. Uh, there's tons of free stuff out there, but there's also a lot of great paid uh, mentorships material out there that, you know, you, you want to get a good education. I mean, people go to college, you know, for four years to study, to do something in, in real estate. You know, I think you should treat almost the same that you should get a lot of education to make sure you're doing it right. Brian, if you could um, tell us a little bit more about um, multifamily and, and what made you think that was the better road than to continue down the path that you'd already started down of, 
of, you know, picking up a single family home every, every year or two, or maybe, you know, why not just try to pick that up a little bit, get some investors and maybe get three, four, five single family homes in a year. Yeah. You know, I think the ability to scale, you know, and what I was reading in the books and what I was listening to the podcast all made sense. It's, you know, when you buy a multifamily property, there, there's a lot of economies of scale, you know, mm-hmm. so the, you know, I, I have two degrees in math, so I, I could tell you the, you know, how the equations work, but the, the, the idea is it's not one for one as far as energy in versus, versus benefit. I mean, yeah. it's not 10 times as hard to purchase a 10 unit apartment as it is to buy 10 houses. You know, you want to buy 10 single family houses, you're going to have to put the same level of effort in 10 times, you know? So the, the amount of effort you put in for a 10 plex, it's harder than a single family, but it's not 10 times as hard, right. you know? And then going from 10 to a hundred, it's harder to get a hundred unit, but it's not 10 times as hard, you know? So, so the, the benefit, the benefits um, are for the most part, one for one, but the, the work, you have to put in isn't, you yeah. know, and not only the work, but then you, you start looking at the expenses, you know, you, you can have, we've got, uh, you know, 40 unit building with a single roof, you know, right. so if you get 40 single family houses, you know, you're going to be replacing almost two roofs every year on average, you know, and you take that 40 unit building, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to replace one roof every 20 years, you know, so um, of course, it's a, it's a more expensive roof, but it's not 40 times more exactly, expensive. Yeah, right. Good point. You know, um, I was even thinking about management. You know, it costs yeah. more to have a 10 unit managed, but not 10 times more than it costs to have, you know, yeah. one unit managed. So, yeah. And your, your 40 units going to cost even less to have managed per, yeah. per unit. I mean, it's going to be more it, than 10 unit, yeah. per unit. You're paying a lot less to have it managed. And when you, when you get into the higher number counts, when you have on site management, yeah. the management is actually better. Right. You know, and, and here's something that it took me a long time to realize, you know, I used to complain about my, my single family um, property manager for a long time because they weren't putting the effort that I thought they should put in. Um, but when you go back and you just kind of pull that thread a little bit, you know, if you look at it from their perspective, you know, my, that the house I had in Utah, you know, we were renting it out for, you know, $1,200 a month at first, you know, so they were getting about a hundred bucks a month, you know, and if you really look at it from a, a landlord's perspective, not a landlord, a property management perspective, how much work are you willing to do for a hundred dollars a month? You know? Yeah. Right. Not a whole lot is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not going to treat that. If I, if I'm a pro, if I'm managing a single family home and I'm getting hundred bucks a month for that, you know, that doesn't move the needle, but you know, on, on some of the multifamily properties, I, you know, I was looking at one of our, you know, we've got an 80 unit where we're pulling in about 40 grand a month in rents. And our, our property manager is, is taking a percentage of that. But uh, you know, if you look at how much we're paying, you know, we are getting a lot more attention on the properties than you would on, on 40 single family homes. So. And those single family homes are probably, they're going to be spread out. How are you going to buy 40 single family homes, even 10? How are you going to buy 10 in one neighborhood? That's very hard to do. Most yeah. likely, even if you can keep it to one city, those those homes are going to be spread out all over the city. I mean, if you do it over time, you know, maybe you can do better. And, and so there's some people that do very well at that. But if you're wanting to scale within, you know, a few years time, it would be very difficult to buy that many yeah. homes in a small area. So now either you've got multiple property managers or you're asking your property manager to go all over the city for your different houses. And again, it's going to be more expensive. It's not worth their time. Um, and you're not going to get as, as quality of a, of a product. So yeah, I agree with all those things, Brian. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so full-time onsite management is huge when you're, when you're talking about taking care of the property. Um, yeah. So there, there's lots of reasons. And um, I, I think, you know, the, the other one that I'll mention that's different from single family, um, all, all the benefits from single family are still there, the leverage, the appreciation, the cash flow. Um, but the other thing I'll mention uh, is commercial real estate versus residential real estate is how it's valued. You know, commercial real yeah. estate is valued based on its income stream, you know? So the market, like, like right now, the COVID market will eventually, you know, it, it's affected the pricing of um, commercial real estate, but not as much as like, say the crash of 2008, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, there, there've been other crashes as well. 97, there was a crash in, in certain markets, especially Southern California. But uh, um, basically as long as you can keep your income up, the property value is not going to fall that much. Right. Yep. Yep. Great point. So, yeah, absolutely. Because as home, yeah, as your neighbors, <laughs> Price goes down as, as home prices just kind of decline in, in general. Everybody's everybody's home price goes down. It doesn't matter what, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm improving my property. I'm making mine better during this time. It doesn't matter. Everybody's yeah. prices going down together versus, um, yeah, you, you've got a, you know, 10, I mean, even a, even a, a five unit property, 10 unit, 40 unit, 100 unit property. Rents go down. Your, your, your value goes down a little bit with that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll show that, Rents may come down a little bit in some areas. I think especially class A will really see that a lot of times in a downturn. But then a lot of times some people in class A are forced to move into class B. So you have even a little bit more, you know, demand in class B. Some class B yeah. move down to class C. So you'll see sometimes um, during downturns where rents really don't go down much. So yeah. maybe the value goes down because people are, are just have less money and, and want to buy less. But your income doesn't really go down that much. I mean, because your, your rents just really aren't, um, aren't hurt that much oftentimes. Um, and even if they are, you, you know, you're still making good cash. So you maybe make a little bit less for a few years and then it, and it bounces yeah. back. And then, you know, you ride that and your property value comes back up. Yeah. And what, what you said is exactly what's happening right now. Class, class A rents have been hurt the worst, like the actual rent, rent amounts. Um, I, I think when you get to class C, um, what's, you know, collections, you know, we, we have slightly higher delinquency right now than we had a year ago. Um, you know, so, but it, it's not, it's not terrible, you know, so our, I, I think national nationwide, the, the delinquency rate is, you know, 4% worse than it was last year. So, you know, if it was, you know, 90, 95% of the people who are paying their rent total, you know, every month, you know, it's now down to like 91. So, you know, 4% is not, you know, not a huge deal when it comes to the valuation. It's something you need, you need to worry about. You need to make sure you have your reserves. You need to make sure you're underwriting conservatively to, Absolutely. to, to make yeah. sure you can account for that. But, you know, um, I think we're going to bounce back. Um, the question is just, just how long are we going to have to, you know, live through this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wish we had a crystal crystal ball, but, um, yeah, stay no. tuned in to, to, to your podcast. You bring on great guests. Uh, they probably have a lot of great insight on that. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, watch, watch Brian's uh, podcast. Um, Brian, let's shift gears just a little bit uh, here at 3 4. We'd like to, to dig into the, the faith and family aspect. You, you've kind of mentioned a little bit on, on both fronts. Um, so I'd love to know just a little bit about um, real estate investing was um, the idea of getting into real estate investing. Uh, faith and family play a part in that. And then um, now that you're into it, I mean, you still got the, the, the job there at the Pentagon, but um, now that you're getting into real estate and maybe kind of see a vision there, how do you envision that playing out um, as far as being beneficial or, or maybe not to, yeah. to your, your, your walk with Christ and, um, and then, you know, raising your family and, and your wife? Yeah. So, you know, I'll start, I mean, and, and for me, faith and family are, are intertwined. I mean, there, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two. Um, so, you know, when I, when I grew up, you know, my, 
my, my parents were, were very faithful, um, you know, members of our church and, you know, very, very faithful to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I, I remember, you know, one time and, you know, talking to my dad, I was, I was probably really young, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of things I remember when I was that age, but um, he was a letter carrier for the U S postal service, you know, so, yeah, yeah. you know, drove, drove a mail truck or walked around and put mail, put, you know, mail in mailboxes. And I remember telling him once um, that I wanted to be just like him, you know, and I made some sort of allusion to delivering mail or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my dad's reaction wasn't what I expected. You know, he kind of looked at me like, no, you don't. You don't want to do what I'm doing. And I remember him saying this, you know, maybe, maybe several years later, but I remember him saying something to the sort of, if you end up a mailman like me, I have failed you as a father. You know, I want you to have a better life. I want you to be better off than me. You know, I want you to go to college. I want you to have a better job, you know? So, you know, when, when, you, when I look at my family, I have the same, the same desire for my children, you know, sure. um, I want them to be better off than I was, you know, and, um, you know, money is, is part of that. You know, they, they've had a better, better childhood than, than I had, um, you know, as far as money, but, uh, I want I want them to have a head the head start that uh, you know maybe I didn't you know um, you know not not 100 sure you know I, I made that mark for my my 21 year old but uh, you know th- this is this is definitely part of it there there's there's yeah. a legacy part to where you sure. know I want I want to eventually free up my time you know part of my my W two job or the Marine Corps you know I've I've spent a lot of time away from the family you know and yeah. Um, you know, I'm transitioning right now to real estate full time. I'll retire from the Marine Corps next year, um, August timeframe. And, oh, wow. you know, I, I want, I'm really doing it because I want my time back. I want to spend yeah. more time with my children, with, with my family and, you know, maybe make up for, you know, all those months and months and months on end that I was away from the family. But so from, from the, from the family perspective, what this allows me to do is, is basically live where I want to live. You know, and, you know, right now we want to live close to our family, you know, so as soon as, as soon as I'm able to retire from the Marine Corps, we're going to move close to where our family is, you know, which is, yeah. is going to be Idaho right now. And, you know, my kids are going to get to know their cousin and I don't have to worry about finding a job. They live in a fairly small community. I don't have to worry about finding a job in a small community because I have this real estate business that I've, I've created along with my partners, of course. Um, yeah. And you do that. You can do that virtually, like you're yeah, I, you do it from anywhere. Yep. Yeah, and there, there's, there's an airport. You know, there, there's, sure. there's an there airport too. in the little city that we're going to be in. You know, so, um, you know, if for for the times that I have to travel, you know, I'm traveling from D.C. to South Carolina right now, and I can just travel from Idaho to the Carolinas yep. or Georgia, or right. yeah. you know, maybe maybe that opens up the the West Coast or the the Western U.S. for us to invest later. But, uh, um, you know, and then as far as faith goes something that my wife and I have always wanted to do is, is, you know, serve another mission for our church and our church allows people to do it, you know, right out of high school, the high school, college years. And then again, as empty nesters, you know, so, um, you know, in order to be able to do that, you obviously have to be able to support yourself during these, right. these periods. So, yeah. um, you know, I want to be able to just to give back, you know, whenever I can, um, you know, I, my, my dad, when I was growing up, told me that I had a, uh, 
um, champagne taste on a beer budget, you know? Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, I take that quote and I apply it to my wife. She's got a heart of gold on, you know, um, years ago it was a bronze budget. Now maybe it's a silver budget, but you know, um, I, I think we both have a desire to help other people, people who are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to be honest that the more assets you have, the better you can actually do that. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, yep. um, we, we tithe to our church, you know, and we, we pay, you know, 10% of our income, um, minimum. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, several years from now, you know, I want that number to be a six figure number, you right. know, and, and be able to do more good with, with what we have. Yeah. That's awesome. That's all. You know, I wanted to go all the way back. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, what real estate can do for you, be able to work anywhere and, and taking control of your time. It just kind of remind me back to you, the, you know, toward the beginning of your story of uh, when you, when you joined the Marines, when you went active duty, because you wanted to have at least some control of when you were going to be deployed and, and kind of be able to know that for your family, because it's, it's hard when, Hey, maybe I'll get deployed right after my wife gets pregnant. I'm going to miss the delivery and everything, or, you know, Hey, I can just go ahead and get deployed now. So I know that that's when I'm going to be over there or whatever. Um, and so you, you took a little bit of control, but obviously being in the Marine Corps, then you still had very little control. Uh, because yeah, you, you're still going, you know, you're going to get deployed. You're going to be away from your family for months at a time and, and you live where they tell you to live. Um, so, you know, real estate is like obviously such a, you know, another step in that direction of, of really being able to take some control of not, not being deployed, you know, and, and living where you want to live and having time with your family. So um, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm so happy for you, Brian, and, and for your family that you've, you know, taken so many strides along that path and, and that you're, um, you know, so close to being able to, to retire and, and, and live that dream and, and be able to bless your family with so much time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And be able to move close to family. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that want that, that are, you know, in a job where um, they don't have control of their time. And, and a lot of times they don't have control over where they live. Uh, so yeah. you know, here, here in Cincinnati, we've got uh, GE, PNG, Johnson and Johnson. And so at our church and stuff, we, we know a lot of people that live here with no family because he, mm-hmm. you know, Johnson, Johnson, PNG, one of them uh, moved them here. Um, and that, that's fine. You know, there's, there's times, you know, you go through different cycles in your life, but uh, to me, real estate investing can do that on, on a lot of different levels. You don't have to, you know, get to Brian's level um, of syndicating apartments, but real estate investing can open up um, some of that for you to be able to control your time better and be able to control, you know, where you live. If that's not even something you get to control. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, through my podcast, I've talked to so many people who've had similar experiences, you know, people who've either lost their job or, you know, um, had to move on or seen other people laid off or had to lay other people off. You know, it's just one of those things where you you kind of realize that, you know, the companies you work for don't have your best interests at at heart, you know, the Marine Corps, you know, and they they tell us that from, from day one, the Marine Corps doesn't have our best interests at heart. You know, they'll, they'll try every once in a while. And if, you know, my interest happens to align with the Marine Corps interest, I'll get what I want, you know, is, is kind of how they teach that to you. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you eventually, you know, it took me a little while to, to get out of the, the drug of a steady income, you know, and yeah, I have five sure. kids and, you know, there, there were times where I, you know, kind of looked, you know, outside the Marine Corps for employment and, you know, it was just one of those where part of the reason I stayed in is because I would have to take a pay cut at certain points to get out of the Marine Corps, you know, especially when the economy was bad in, you know, 2008, you know, nine and 10. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, I, I stayed in for, for good reasons and sometimes selfish reasons, but uh, it, was, it was the right decision for me. But now, now that 
you know, I've kind of taken the red pill, you know, for example, if you like the matrix or, or Jerome Myers, uh, you know, interpretation, you know, I, I've realized that I need to take control, you know, I need to take more control, I can't rely on the US government um, to always pay, you know, my, my salary, I can't rely on, um, you know, taxpayer US government to, to make sure my kids are um, safe and sound, because sure. you know, that, that job can drive up, dry up just as easy as any other job. Yep, um, so, yeah, so that's, that, that's, that's really it, you know, take, take control of your life and, and real estate is, is a vehicle that can help you take control of, of what you're doing. Yeah. Well, Brian, um, let, let's shift gears just a little bit more and, and just give me uh, real quick. I mean, you, you've kind of talked about it a lot, but what would you say is, is probably the most, uh, the key ingredient, uh, for someone that's going to succeed in, in real estate investing? maybe specifically multifamily real estate investing, what do you think is the most important thing for them to have? I would say, um, let's see, if I have to put this into one, one thing, take educated action. Okay. Yeah. There. I really rolled two things into one, but uh, take yeah. educated cheated, action. But yeah. No, no. I, I totally yeah, you know, right. yeah. yeah. Take educate. I mean, you have to know what you're doing and you have to take yes. action. You know, um, I, I, I think people make mistakes by doing one or the other, you know, yeah. like, um, the house I talked about, I took action, you know, but it wasn't an educated action because, you know, I wouldn't have knowingly walked into a situation where five, 600 bucks a month was coming out of my yeah, pocket. Negative cash flow. Um, and then there's people that only educate and they don't, they don't yeah. even buy the house. Yeah. They, they, they over-educate, you know, and they, they get into this analysis paralysis that a lot of people talk about and yep. they, they never take action and not taking actions, you, you know, you're never going to get there. Yep, um, right. So, I mean, I, I think I would prefer to have somebody take action that may be slightly uneducated than just not take action at all because yeah. you'll eventually, you'll eventually learn, you know, yeah. either, either school of hard knocks or, or yeah, exactly. yeah, you'll, you'll eventually learn the lesson. Well, um, Brian, what about, uh, what would you say is the most important ingredient um, as far as maintaining um, a, a good perspective and a good balance and, um, you know, putting your, your priority, uh, your faith and your family, um, mm -hmm ahead of job and real estate, what's maybe a key ingredient there of trying to maintain that good balance? Um, I think it's just the small things, you know, the small things you do every day. Um, you know, you, you set your priorities by, by the things you do. And, you know, I, I think faith is, is like drops in a bucket. You know, you don't grow your faith, you know, by leaps and bounds, you grow your faith by little daily actions, you know, and, as long as you're taking those little daily actions, you know, you're going to, your, your faith will, will still grow and, and be fine. And it's, it's the same thing with your family as well. Um, you know, and I, I wish I was a lot better in both of these areas, you know, but, but the, the little daily actions is what you need to take. I mean, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, my, my wife and I had a conversation, you know, two years ago where we talked about, you know, this, this multifamily thing, you know, what's, what's best for the family. When we, we decided to pursue this course of action, we, we knew what it would come with is there would be sacrifices of my time because I'm, I'm at the Pentagon, you know, pre COVID, you know, I was, I was at the Pentagon five days a week for, you know, eight to 10 hours, you know, four, and, then, and then two hours on the Metro, you know, there and back. But, uh, you know, building this business on the side has, has required some sacrifices where I'm not able to give my family as much time, but, uh, you know, I still try to do those little daily actions. You know, I, I try to put an Xbox controller in my hand and play with my son every day. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and do these little things with, with the kids where I can. Um, yeah. Little daily yep. actions. Little, yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, Hey, let me just hit you with uh, some real quick questions to wrap it up here. Um, some questions that I asked uh, all my guests. Um, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite scripture? Yeah. You know, and um, being, being LDS, I, I'm going to say something from the book of Mormon. It's uh it goes like this. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, the son of God. I've been called to declare his word among his people that they may have everlasting life. Yeah. That's right. and, and that's, that's just one of those that, that I learned early on that, uh, that I've tried to remember a lot. You know, what, yeah. what is my lot in life? You know, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's great. Yeah. So am I. Um, yeah. what, what's, uh, you, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and I think you kind of mentioned a couple others in passing, but what's, uh, the real estate book you, you recommend to people the most? Um, the one I've, how about, how about most recently? Um, sure. the one that I have an arm's length is raising capital for real estate by Hunter Thompson. You know, I, I bought it on audible and then I bought it on Kindle and I just bought the hard cup copy so I can, you know, take notes and yeah, it must you know, be really um, good then. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the best comprehensive book with, you know, and it's very actionable as well. So, that's great. um, that's probably the number one, um, and then like the Joe, Joe Fairless syndication series books, you know, there, there's a, there's a couple of volumes and, you know, all in all it's several hundred, you know, probably a thousand pages, but oh, that's yeah. probably the textbooks. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, any uh, faith or family related book recommendations? You know, um, you know, I'll, I'll say book of Mormon again, you know, uh, I think most people, you know, who are, who are Christian are already familiar with the Bible and that's, that's their, they're probably number one go-to already. Sure. So yeah. Um, I'll say Book of Mormon, you know, and, and it is like, like the Bible, it's just another testament of Jesus Christ is all it is. So that's, that'd be, you know, hands down my, my recommendation on that one. Okay. Um, and uh, you, you can mention this. I, I always ask like, how do you, how do you like to get back? How do you plan to get back in the future? I mean, that's definitely something you kind of already mentioned with, with uh, you know, you've given back with mission trips. It was a life-changing experience for you. So it sounds like something you'd like to have the opportunity yeah. to do in the future. And, and, and then just, you know, giving through tithing and being able to make that a, a, a nice big number to help out a lot of people. Yeah. I, I want to, I mean, and, and more than that, you know, I want to be able, I want to be available when people need help, yeah, you know, sure. when, when you're, when you're, you know, working your W-2 job and you, you have obligations to your employer, you know, if somebody needs help Wednesday at 8 a.m. or, you know, Wednesday or Thursday at noon, you know, I'm just like, sorry, can't help. I'll right. work, yeah. you know, yep. um, and this, this will allow me to do that. I mean, all, all I said before, plus the, the factor of, you know, I, I now have more flexibility with my time as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, cool, Brian. Well, um, I always like to ask uh, my, my guests is how, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Um, you know, just, just that I can continue those little daily things. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The little daily things to, to keep the family and, and, and to keep the faith strong. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's, that's a great one. Something we all need prayer for, but yeah, we'll definitely be praying for, for that for you, Brian. In the coming weeks. So, um, way well, hey, on our way out here, um, what's the best way, uh, my listeners might be able to, um, you know, look you up, um, online, uh, maybe contact you, uh, what, what should we put there in the show notes yeah. for people to reach out to you? Uh, website is, uh, fouroakscapital.com and, you know, spell there, it there's, out. Yep, uh, F-O-U-R, Four Oaks Capital. Yeah. I'll spell it out. Um, and I'll send it to you in an email so you can, you can put sure. the show notes. Yep. Um, Diary of the Apartment Investor podcast is, is another way to, to listen to my voice a lot. And 
Um, my contact information is, is plastered on that podcast and in the show notes. Um, or my email address, you know, Brian Briscoe at uh, foroakscapital.com. And you've got that already. So you can, you can put that in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for a great episode. Uh, you got a great story, a lot of great education for all, everybody that listened today. So um, yeah, thanks again. Good luck with everything and um, hope, to, hope to keep in touch. Yeah, we'll definitely will. So, you know, I think we're, we're talking again in a couple of days. So yeah, I look forward to it. Yep. So yeah. All right, God bless, Brian. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.